Welcome to Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Hi, hi. We have Lindsay Mayuga on the podcast today. She is the host of She Makes Waves, which is one of my favorite podcasts and has been for a while, as well as a salon owner and independent educator. Welcome to Hairstylist Rising, Lindsay. Hey, thanks for having me. I've actually never had someone call me an independent educator, and I'm like, God, that felt right. <laughs> you totally are now. It's so exciting. Yeah, totally. I know. It's just like hearing that. I'm like, that felt really good. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad. It's amazing when you find kind of your zone and you find where you're meant to be. Yeah, no, totally. And like getting there, it's like, whew, don't give up. <laughs> exactly. So you have some really exciting stuff going on. And I wanted to talk to you today because I know with the transition that we've all undergone, I think more and more hairstylists are wanting to know more about going independent. So they have a little bit more control over their environment. And I think that you are just the perfect person to talk about this. Thank you. Yeah. It's been kind of something that I've been doing in the last like six and a half years, having gone independent and I was like, where do I fit in like with helping people? And then with everything happening with COVID, it was like, like I love being independent and I know that it's gotten kind of sexy. I've gone back and forth of being like, is that really what I want to do? Because not everyone should do it. Totally. But I think that having, being really honest about the pros and the cons and, and explaining why it's such a great option for me has helped me to stand in this space more because I don't think that like we should ever like turn our nose up at commission salons or turn our nose up at different setups, because I think that there is one that works for everyone. But for me and the people that I coach and the work that I do, it's what is like the most expansive way to live your life and do what we do. Totally. And I think that's such a good point that definitely there is still a place I feel for really great commission salon owners and salon structures in that way. There's a really great place for chair rental salons and there's a really great place for salon suites. But you went independent before the explosion of salon suites, right? Yeah. So there wasn't even like a Sola in my area. So I'm outside of Chicago in a suburb called Evanston. And I, I was like, I wish there was like a Sola or a Salon Lofts and I could just skip the middleman because that's really what it came down to. I would be riding the train up from where I lived and being like, God, if I could get on a 15 minute later train, I'd have an hour more at home in the morning and working for someone and feeling like they just didn't really want to accommodate that and they didn't really care about that. And that was their prerogative. It's their business. But I feel like so much, so many of us get so frustrated or get so much resentment built up around like they don't get it. And it's like, What's stopping you from making your life what you want? Because the owner of that salon did the same thing. And, and I think that's what got my wheels in motion of just like this quality of life shift that I could have. And ultimately having made the change and not having anyone to look to as an independent stylist, I ended up creating that same environment of being a slave to my chair and working all the time because I didn't actually have a new framework that I had built. And so I think that's what kind of in 
gets me so excited about it now is realizing that I've been able to completely rewire my thinking and my belief system around what I believe hard work needs to look like and what my business can be, but not having had a, a mentor for a really long time. And then on my own finding them and realizing that like a lot of us leave situations we're not happy in and, and subconsciously recreate them because we haven't changed ourselves. We haven't changed what we believe is possible. So I think that having had all these different experiences and then having a partnership end four and a half, five years ago, and then going and opening my second studio, I feel like I got to learn, okay, I've done it this way. And that's where it left me. I had this, like, I could look back over the last four and a half years and see, oh, I had this business that looked like a dream on the outside, but was not that on the inside. Ooh, I think that's so relatable because I think so often, especially in the past, we've equated success solely with what it looks like on the outside and our finances. Whereas now I think, if you will, the silver lining of having to shut everything down has been that we're looking inside a little bit more. And I know that you've done this before the whole shutdown thing, but I'm talking to a lot of hairstylists who, because they've been forced to sit in their feelings and sit in taking a look and really examining where they're at, they've almost started to think of success a little bit differently. And it's not just about your finances. It's about creating the life and career that actually feels fulfilling to you. Yeah. And I've same for me, like talking to people, working with different stylists. I feel like right now, more than ever, people were like, I like making macrame on the weekends, or I liked that time off. And I was able to focus on my fitness. Like I'm a personal trainer too. And I really like I didn't realize how much I really love doing that also. And just giving themselves this forced permission because they couldn't do hair to actually look at like how much of their other passions in their life they were neglecting. And I think that's the scary thing about what we do is that you can fall into this. You make people feel so good that you get going in this hamster wheel and it can distract you. For me, it did for like at least 10 years of, of not really realizing that I was like getting this high from other people and meeting their expectations, but not really realizing like, oh my gosh, like I haven't been able to pursue any of the things I love. And I think that this time has definitely shaken people up to this idea that what if success is me being able to take that photography class? Totally. And we've talked about this before, that idea of in our industry, we almost get addicted to that external validation. Yeah. No, totally. And like everyone, like some people are like, like maybe someone's an alcoholic. I feel like I've said this before, but I'm like, my drug of choice was people. I know like I could like the way people made me feel I was doing something for them. But the kind of the sad truth of it is that I felt like I needed to do something for people to like me or love me. And at the end of the day, like, what if you just showing up was enough? What if you didn't have to color their hair, highlight it and help them talk to their stepson they haven't spoken to in three years over a FaceTime call? What if you didn't do all that? Like, why and getting curious around like why do you think you have to do all of that to be valuable Ooh, and I think that you just hit the nail on the head and this is what I love so much is that concept of just getting curious like thinking more not just accepting the status quo but really thinking about the why yeah and like also I think too like as you get curious, look around you, like, who do you have around you? Do you have people around you that are like lifting you up and telling you to like, you can dream bigger, you can do more. And when I look back at my life, and I look back at different times in it, like a lot of, 
I could tell you a lot about what I thought was possible based on who I had around me. And I think that right now, I think it's hard to be in the salon you're in or to have the dreams you have and to figure out like how to independent, going independent. It's you're like, you have your, where you're at and it's safe and it's comfortable, but there's something inside your heart. That's like, I think I kind of want more ownership. I think I want to understand the numbers. I think I want to be able to like take that half an hour lunch break in the middle of midday and walk my dog. There's like an, a yearning inside, but then it's, oh my gosh, I'm around people that are telling me that's not possible. And I think that can be so hard. And I think I had talked to someone recently that I've known a long time and they were like, Hey, are you, they asked me a lot. Am I on good terms with this person? Am I on good terms with this person? And I stopped and I said, I'm not on bad terms with anyone. I just can't really be around people that tell me what I want is like too much or that it's like what I've worked really hard to believe that like all of this is possible. I cannot be around people that tell me it's not because it's been too long of a journey to get here. Oh, yes, that's such Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think like a lot of times, people who tell us that it's not from a bad place a lot of the time. And I think that's what is so hard is we're like, they're just thinking about what's best for me. But they're thinking about what's best from you in the frame of their own comfort zone, which is not something that you need to be defined by. So it's like accepting that no, it might not be from a bad place. But that also doesn't mean that it's good advice in any way. Yeah. I've gotten really into thinking about things like that people view things through a lens. So it's like the lens that they view it through is based on all their experiences, the work they've done, the lack of work they've done. And so I'm just constantly now when I'm around people or if I'm in situations and I get curious about them and I'm like, well, I wonder why that person doesn't believe that's possible because like it is. And realize and, and realizing that you can kind of do whatever you want. And I think that's the amazing thing about being independent, but I also think that's the thing that some people aren't really ready to step into. For me, I'm very much into being like, you will not have anyone to blame. If you want to go independent and you want to have all the freedom and the opportunities that you can have. I had a really rough week this week personally, and I was able to change my schedule around. And in this week, even I was like, and this is why me being independent is what makes the most sense for the life I have. Because you're dealing with hard stuff. And it's, I know for myself, I, I hated going in to talk to a boss and saying, Hey, this is happening in my family. First of all, TMI, it's not really your business when I'm going through Pam. Totally. Second of all, I just want to be able to live my life and I want to work hard, but I also really want to have that ability to show up where I feel I need to show up and when I need to show up. So I think for people that are like, oh, I don't like how my boss does that. It's like, that's probably true. And your boss probably does some stupid stuff. But do you really want to step into the ownership that's involved in being an owner? Because not everyone does. And I think a lot of times it's like really sexy on Instagram. And like, it's like the shiny object on Instagram is to be like, I'm independent, but it's, oh my gosh, there's so much nitty gritty there that like, if you're not all in on it and it's just for show, it's going to it's going to deteriorate quickly. Oh, for sure. And I think that's exactly why I went independent too. It was more about the control of my like being able to control my life and my workflow and all that kind of stuff. So, I think it would be fun to talk about the worst reason to go independent. In I'm going to give you my opinion and then you can yeah. tell me what you think. So, my opinion is the worst reason to go independent is my boss keeps half my money. 
Because if you're coming at it from that mindset, you're going to be hit real hard when the expenses start stacking up, which they will. So I think it's really important to go in eyes wide open and take a look at this is these are the expenses to run a business because very often salon owners are not turning this giant profit that you don't know about. It's the expenses. And I think it's really important to open your eyes to that prior to going independent because I don't think that money, I mean, there is a certain turning point for sure, but I don't think finances are the best reason to go independent. What do you think? I think a hundred percent. I think there's a lot of commission stylists making great money, not dealing with any of the back end stuff. And I'm not going to lie to you. That's attractive to me, but the other things that make it worth it, like I was saying previous, it's like, for me, that's that this is a better setup. But by no means do I turn my nose up and be like, there's this attitude in our industry of the stylists that get it work for themselves. And it's mm-hmm. that's, there are a lot of stylists that get it and don't work for themselves. And that's actually should be really something that we admire. And totally, I think that there are times in my business when I look back at it before I really understood the numbers that I was actually operating at like a 73% profit. But at the end of the day, realistically, most of the time you're operating at a 50% profit. And then that doesn't even mean that you're taking all that home. So you decide what you're going to pay yourself. So I think that there is a misconception with that. And that needs to be like debunked because the reality is like, it, you're, that's kind of what it's going to be wherever you are. But then it's like, okay, but that can be kind of freeing too, to say like, okay, if I'm getting half, no matter where I'm at, then I can take the money component out of it and I can make it more about what's going to honor the life that I want and the quality of life that I want. And what does that mean and look like for me? And as far as what I think is the worst reason, I think, I think not liking your boss is like, and not being happy where you're at is probably like the number one thing that I go caution abortion. Because, because I feel like I hear that a lot. Not, I I will say to someone who's saying, oh, I'm not, my boss doesn't get it or my boss. It's like, you know, you might be able to find a better suited boss and you might still be happy in a commission salon. And I think that's the thing that, and you know, someone complaining about like how they're not busy. I I see a lot of people scapegoating the owner instead Mm -hmm. of, instead of recognizing that they're ready to move on instead of, I I don't know what it is about our industry where instead of being able to say like, this has run its course, like, as I know I've been the same way, but like, instead of having that kind of self-awareness around, like, I'm ready to take more ownership. I'm ready to like have this, this kind of shift in my life, in my business, instead of being able to stand in that and own that, I think a lot of times we, we want to blame the person where the place we're at. And I don't know if it helps us get closure around leaving or we feel guilty about it, or there's so much resentment that's built up. But I feel like that's something I see a lot too, where it's, okay, why don't you just tell them that like, you're ready to go? Like, why does it have to be about all the things they've sucked at? Absolutely. Move on. Yeah. And I think you had a podcast episode about that recently, didn't you? About leaving the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it is one of the weirdest uh, industries I think to move on from. There's just this very much like you're dead to us when you leave, or at least that's the attitude we go into it with. But I think Mm -hmm. that it is like when the dust settles, like I really feel like if the chips were down in my life, I want to be able to go back to everywhere I've worked. And I want to be able to have left in a way that I could get a job back there because life is a humbling thing. And I think that people get high on the, like on their own supply on their way out. Like, I don't need this place. And 
I made them so much money. Or I, my favorite was like, I was number two there or I'm number one. And it's, I don't know what that means. I never worked there. I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so true. I think, yeah, I just, and I think a lot of that is like a mindset thing. And once you start to do a little bit of self work, I think that it's having that self-awareness and sometimes being able to take a little bit of ownership and sometimes relationships do sour, but it's not necessarily a fault thing. Like once that resentment builds, I think sometimes it's difficult, but there's a real power in being able to be like, you know what, that resentment did build, but here's the part that I played and creating that self-awareness, I think can help you grow. Even if say you didn't leave in the best way because hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think if you can take a look back at situations and think this is how I felt, but maybe I didn't really do what was best at the time. And I think totally. that can help you shape yourself. And I know for myself, like I've gone back to a lot of like professional relationships or places I've worked or things like that. And I've been able to have these really honest conversations around like, what I feel my part was. And it's funny because sometimes in like the salon I worked at the longest, they were lovely. Like they'd been on my podcast and it was like, that was like such a cool full circle moment for me to be like, you guys don't hate me. You know what I mean? I think we've built up these ideas in our head of like, when we leave places, even if we leave on good terms that like people don't like us and it's just like the industry. But then you've also have instances where you will show up and be that humble person. And you'll be like, Hey, this is my part in the personal deal. That was your part. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay, all righty. Thank you so much for your time today. Totally. And I mean, I think the thing is that it goes both ways, right? Not every independent stylist is going to be enlightened to be able to know their part. And honestly, not every salon owner is going to be able to know their part. And I think there is almost a little bit of, there is that old school mentality. Like I remember going for a job interview when I was 19 and they were like, okay, we love you. We think you're awesome for this job, but you need to commit that you will not go anywhere in five years. I've had someone ask me if I was planning on having children within the next five years. And I'm like, eh, (laughs) I don't really think that we're allowed to ask this of people. (laughs) But I think you bring up such a good point because as you were saying that, like and laughing, are you serious? Like I would have signed that and been like, Jason, I'm here for it. (laughs) I feel like that's what, I think it's so cool that you mentioned that. And some people have that self-awareness. I didn't. And so I think that's a really interesting point of we are so quick to sign our lives away. Like I, I, I would have been like, where do I sign? Do you have a pen that's more permanent than this one? <laughs> I did not take the salon job that asked me that, but there was a sales job and I so badly wanted to get this job that I was like, yep, nope, there's no way that I'm going to get married. There's no way that I'm going to move. And there's no way that I'm going to have children. I ended up moving and having my son. However, I was so on board to agree to this. Now I would never say that, but I think there's so many people that are like, you know what? Yeah, we we would totally say that that's cool and just agree to it. Yeah. I think that's a testament to how willing or like how subconsciously or unknowingly we are willing to lose ourselves in the service of others. And that can be what, that's why I think the independent journey of a, a stylist that decides to do that, it can be such a it can be this like huge personal like development journey that you go on because it's like, what, how do I want to do it? I've never even thought about how I wanted to do it. I've always just, this is how we did it there. And when I talk to stylists, like I swear, like the first coaching session is always about 
this is how we do it. And this is how, and people struggle to detach from the way that things have been done and realize we're looking at a blank page here, sister. What do you want it to look like? And I think that a lot of the work is like really honestly realizing I don't have to do it like that. And then also realizing I can change it because we don't change things. Do you know what I mean? As hairstyles totally. and in this industry, it's like, oh my God, no, this is how I do this. And it's, it's a really freeing, but scary moment. And I know we both have worked with Don Bradley and like, she's mm-hmm. helped me with this analogy of like free soloing that documentary where like when you're holding onto a rock, but to get to the next one, there is a moment where you're like holding on to nothing. And I think that for me, it's still really hard, but I keep going, like, I'm going to keep pushing my life and my career, my business in the direction of the life that I want. But that doesn't mean it's not scary, but I think it's just such a, I don't know, a journey home to yourself because so much of this industry and the way that we've been operating is like in the service of others. But I think there's a way for it to be good for you and for other people. And I think that's the the disconnect that I think hopefully like with COVID and with people getting honest with themselves, even if someone's listening and I want to stay where I'm at, I think that my biggest takeaway from having worked places and moved on is I wish I would have advocated for myself more. And I wish I would have had the language and the ability to sit down and have these kinds of conversations to where like, I know they bubble up. And by the time we're like over it, or we want to make a change, we are, we haven't told our owners or the salon or the managers how we feel about certain things. And that's a mistake that I've made in the past that hopefully people listening will try and go in and make their current situations better because then you'll never wonder what if I had gone in and said, I want weekends off and like, how do I know they won't give that to me? I think we limit ourselves so often. That's absolutely true. And I think too, there's, like we said, there's always two ways of looking at things. And there are some salon owners, and I'm not saying that every single salon owner is going to be willing to work with you. But I think there are a lot that are. And at the end of the day, I think we need to humanize the people that are owning salons because Mm -hmm. they were where we were before as well. And it's a huge undertaking. So I think that sometimes, like you said, it's not always the solution. Sometimes it's just talking and advocating for yourself. And you never know. Because something that I've really been working on lately is just going after things that I want because the absolute worst case scenario is that someone's going to say no, but it's automatically a no if you don't ask. So worst case scenario, that's an exercise I do a lot. And I would always encourage people to look at that. What is the absolute worst that can happen if I go in humbly and have a conversation? And you grow, yeah. (laughs) And you grow a, you grow a skill that you take with you, your ability to have Uh, constructive conversations. Like I wish I would have started that earlier because it's a skill and you get to keep it. And and then like, that's the thing that I think so many things that we're afraid to do are the the very things that are going to grow us and maybe not even be the, maybe you don't end up staying there, but now you have this skill set. And then when you leave, there's almost this beautiful, like full circle moment of like, we talked about a year ago and these are the things that were important to me. And I understand you've got to do what you've got to do, but I wish we could like end things in that way. And also I think that there's like, you know, like you were saying about there being, you know, like this idea that the salon owner is bad. I think there's just a new school salon mentality and there's an old school. And I think that's the separator that I keep seeing and that I keep bumping up against when someone's like critical of the, the way that I view things and critical Mm -hmm. of what I believe is possible. They're just operating from a different stance of what they believe is possible. And it's kind of old school and it's grinded out and it's seen more people. And I don't operate from that standpoint anymore. It's like abundance. It's like fewer, better, 
more important, you know, like experiences with people. And I think that they clash. They're very much in competition with one another because if what I'm doing is possible, then what you're doing, you're like, I'm clashing with that. And it, I think it, for, I've seen it frustrate some salon owners. Absolutely. I think that's, you're right on the money with that. Okay. What we've talked about, like, why not go independent, why you should go independent. So what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking, okay, I've thought about this. I don't think it's just that I'm unhappy. I think that I really do want to go independent or maybe we'll take a step back and maybe they're like, how, what's the way for me to decide? And what would you tell that person? Yeah, I would say just start like in your mind, walking through the door of what that would look like, because it's going to give you a lot of information. And that's not something a coach or anyone else can tell you as far as do you see yourself in a three, three chair salon and having like stylists that you like really feel connected to, but everyone is on their own? Do you see yourself like unlocking a door to a suite where it's just you? And I feel like with a lot of stylists, I feel if you really get them thinking about it and they get like my free workbook on my website, they could start to walk through what would a perfect day look like in the salon and then get an idea of what is going to actually be the way to go independent that serves you most. Because there's, you want to be in control of your own schedule and your life and your career, but then it's, what is that going to look like for you? Because for me, it was being alone for a couple of years until I found the right stylist to work with. And for me, that I had a business structure pre-COVID that it made, it worked for me to be there alone in 650 square feet. But then post-COVID and having known what I wanted and having these, these stylists already in the works, it's like, wow, it's so cool how what you want it'll happen. It'll happen on its own time. You just have to almost like start visualizing what it will be like and the like-minded people you'd be with. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to know how to do it, but you have to start getting to know yourself enough to know like what that would look like for you. Yes. And I think that's such a great point too. As you were talking, I was nodding my head and I was like, yes. And it's what you said about how it looked like a certain way for a little bit of time and then it changed. And that I think is the inherent beauty of being independent is you have that little bit more fluidity and that little bit more um, grace to change your mind when you feel that you need a little bit of a shift. Yeah. And that's also like, that can be hard on like clients sometimes, you know, because everyone in society in this world wants everyone to have this like really strict plan. And I feel like for me, the happier I've gotten is the more I've let go of needing to have it figured out so that other people see me as valid or certified <laughs> or whatever, because you know, even in my latest, you know, like email to my clients stating like the second person was coming on, I felt like I needed to say like, you know, my, I know with COVID and everything, people have gotten accustomed to being alone in my space with me. But the reality is I, I never started this to, to have a single person, 650 square foot studio for COVID virus. That's not what I, right. I, I didn't set out to do that. And I think just like being like, communicative about it, but also humble about it and and not letting the uh, ideas or what benefit for so long, it's been so hard for me to kind of keep doing what makes me happy, but then also keep everyone on board. And the sooner that I realize that not everyone's going to stay on board. And when they're like, well, I come here because it's just a few people will say that it's, I can recommend you to a salon loft where there's 110 square feet and it's one stylist. And I think you'd be happier there. And, and being like, but I'm continuing to go the way I'm going. I think a lot of us slow ourselves down and trip ourselves up by being like, 
I know, but I'll come in on my day off and I'll do you on that day. And then I'll do that. And so everyone's happy, but then it's, you've got this really schluffy business instead of just like powering forward. And everyone's happy, but you. Yeah, it always seems like a good idea at the time when you're saying it and then you actually have to go in on your day off and you're like, maybe I shouldn't have done this. And then you feel resentment, but really you made the decision, but it doesn't stop that resentment for the person you're doing the favor for. Totally. And it's like, how many times do we have to do that? I feel like you can love your clients. You can love what you do and you don't have to do it at your expense. And I think that's like the number one thing I would say that has been like the biggest game changer for me is just being like, wait, I don't like everywhere I've worked. I feel like that was part of the prereq. Yes, totally. (laughs) I completely agree. And I think too, like it's, you don't always have to get everyone's permission to make a decision. And I, looking back, I think that's probably the number one piece of advice I would give to a stylist starting out is there's a lot of people who aren't going to approve of every decision you make. And it doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't make that decision. Yeah, because it's like, what's the alternative? You just go with the flow. I don't see an alternative. I don't even I don't even know how to give that example. So I'm like, what is the alternative to not doing that? Yeah, I know, like for me and early in my career, it would be like, oh, I'm, I worked at a salon that I really was not happy at. It was very much an old school salon. It worked for them. They had a full staff, but I didn't feel happy there. And every, you know, not authority figure, but like my parents, my aunt, who I'm very close to are very much, oh, but the money's so good. Like you can't leave that good of money. And so I stuck around for three or four years. And then I moved cities because I just was like, I had enough. I was like, I need something extreme. So it wasn't really a choice. Had I made a choice earlier, I might not have had to go so extreme, but because everyone was take the safe route, take the safe route, but taking the safe route when it makes you miserable it's you're just setting yourself up for more of the same. Whereas had you used that time to start rebuilding something else, then you could have gotten so much further in that period of time. Totally. And I think like the temperature of what's possible and the thermostat, like in each salon is different. And then what you don't realize is you're inheriting that. So what, like those Mm -hmm. three years or those four years that you hung around because everyone else told you what was right for you, like it came at a cost to your development. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it made it possible for you to be where you are today and like talking to people and sharing. Cause I I saw this, this, this quote that it keeps coming up for me is like, it's not enough for you to be free. Like you got to make other people free. And I think that's like what you're doing through your podcast. What I'm trying to do is I have a great life and I have this freedom and I have this ability to like be where I want to be, do what I want to do, but it's really not enough for me unless I can help other people do that. Yes. And that's exactly, I think what the motivator is for both of us. Cause like we've mm-hmm. talked about this before is just almost cutting that. Cause I like, I have no regrets because I feel like you said, all of the experiences that you have shape you into the person you are today. But I think what if we could shave that time off for say one other person and help them understand that they're not a slave to their current circumstance, that they can make these choices and have that freedom. And maybe we save that other, that one other person four years of being unhappy. That's my Mm -hmm. driving force. And I think that's the same for you. Yeah. And I like the idea that like you get a pebble dropped and then a stone dropped and then a rock and then a fucking boulder. 
hopefully I can swear <laughs> on your show. But Absolutely. I feel like for, for me, it took a boulder. So it's if you could just, if a pebble could hit you on your shoulder and you hear a whisper and you could make that move and know that on the other side of it, there are people like me and there are people like Jody that are like, you're going to be awesome. I think that would make my pain have some purpose. Totally. Oh, I just love that. Okay. So where can people find out more about you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at She Makes Waves Podcast. And then I have on the profile, you can see my studio because I think people have fun seeing, oh, where does she work? Or I know totally. I love doing that. And then I also have my website, which has my workbook and then my course that's launching end of September, which is called she Nets Worth, a hairstylist guide to going independent. And I have a workbook that you can get on the website that I think is like I talked about earlier that I think would be really cool for people to just get to know themselves. So totally. that is uh, wavemaking.com. You can find and I'll all put that. a link to that in the show notes as well so that people know where to find you. Awesome. And also I'm just going to add that Lindsay's podcast is so inspiring and amazing. She has solo episodes, which I am obsessed with, as well as guest episodes. And she gets some really cool industry people on there and picks their brains. And we're just going to leave off with one last question, Lindsay. If you were talking to a stylist who was determined to rise, but just needed a little guidance, what is the one piece of advice you would leave them with? I stopped talking to my coworkers about what I want to do. And I would just start paving my path towards what is going to ultimately make me happy. Because I think we waste a lot of time looking left and looking right and crowdsourcing what our next move should be. And only you know that. Ooh, that's so good. Awesome. Thank you again for joining me today, Lindsay. It was so great talking to you as always. Yeah, you too. I hope you had as much fun listening to this episode as we had recording it and make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. Leave a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. I will see you next week.